How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is the warming and thin voice of your local announcer, Tom Fitzmorris. Time now to ring the dinner bell for today's midday service. Of the food show, two hours devoted entirely to all things edible, drinkable, cookable, and or servable. And what a subject, New Orleans, America's best eating city. Call us, will you? 504-260-6368. Now, let's see what we can do in lieu of a program today. It comes to you from WWL-FM HD2. Our program tries to be sophisticated, and one of the side routes to getting there is by keeping you up to date with the New Orleans Opera. Here now is the man best able to tell you about the opera, better than anybody else I know, the maestro himself, Robert Lyle, the music director. Is that, is that right? Artistic director. Artistic music director. director will do. Yeah. yeah. Of uh, the New Orleans Opera, which is one of the most venerable, venerable I'll get that out yet, venerable institutions <laughs> Of uh, any art form uh, in uh, in America or even in the entire Western Hemisphere, I think we could go with. Well, <coughs> we were preceded by some operatic activities in yeah. Europe, but we do rightfully claim to That's be— That's the old world, though. We don't care. Precisely. <laughs> They'll catch up. They'll catch up. Uh, we rightfully claim to be America's first city of opera because of the unique— uh, performances in the French Quarter in 1796 when the first documented operas were given in the New World, as it was known then. And we continued that tradition to the present uh, through all of the 19th and 20th centuries up to the modern company, which presides over these activities today, just beginning its 76th year as a modern statement of what happened here earlier. Yeah. You know, uh, one of my favorite aspects of, of the opera, and I've never asked you this before, After uh, we've, we've done this a few times already, uh, but it, it occurs to me that the beautiful thing about this is that uh, in the, those early days of opera, it served in the same capacity that this radio station right next to us on the other side of that wall, uh, Bayou Radio, where right. it's... Hit raid hits for you know of many many uh, years, right. and that's what they play, and this is what people are entertained by, and they really like listening to it. There was no radio back in the times you're talking about, right. but people still want to be entertained, and that was the way they entertained themselves. It right. was hugely popular. Is well, that not true? It's very true. It's very Eurocentric in reality because we were a cultural pipeline uh, connected to Paris. Speaking of uh, hotlines connecting to Paris, or uh, if I can get generic on you a little bit, sure. uh, in Europe, uh, my wife and I are celebrating our, our 30th anniversary oh. uh, pretty soon. And, uh, of course, she writes the program as to uh, what we're going to do about that. Right. And what she has in mind is that we are taking a ride on the Orient Express. Ah, and we're going to wind up in Venice. And I hear there's more than a little bit of music there. 
Well, of every type. I mean, everything from gondoliers to the famous opera house in Venice. Well, that's what she's interested in, because she's an opera nut and a classical music nut, too, right. as I am. And so uh, we're thinking of, uh, of doing that. We're going to be there for three days, and that gives us plenty of time to get in it. Have any suggestions for me? Or oh, would you rather wait till later? I'll wait till later. Yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, it's a colorful <clears throat> city. Ride, you ride the Vaporetti and you ride the gondolas and you go to the museums that all are on the Grand Canal and minor canals. Uh, hugely cultural city and one that is full of great music and where lots of great operas were premiered. Well, that's what we're interested in. We've been there a few times before, and we've, we've, right. we've eaten the food, which is terrific. We even had one of our Eat Club dinners there once. Right. And it was, uh, it was really a lot of fun. So, right. uh, and the opera house is aptly named La Fenice, after the phoenix, because it most recently rose from its ashes yet again. <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's a wonderful and colorful place. For yeah, art. well, it certainly is. It's it's one of the great uh, cities in the world in term, unless, you know, your interests are in But, Tom, something. let me comment on your, your earlier observations about the variety of entertainment and musical culture that's available to us today. That seems to have almost always been so in the case of New Orleans. You know, uh, opera was kind of the pinnacle of sophisticated Creole entertainment, and yet the culture of Congo Square and its Haitian origins uh, that interfaced with the Native Americans, what we now today call Mardi Gras Indians, and then the creation of jazz, uh, all mixed in with, you know, Zydeco and bluegrass and all kinds of of Creole music of various degrees of sophistication. But opera was always at the pinnacle of that because, you know, Creole originally meant that you were of European birth. And so the connections to European culture were very strong among the educated. And also as as the black community went through its metamorphosis to people of color, free people of color, then they you, go, you can go ahead and take the call if you want to. That's because <laughs> we'll just snoop in on it. We'll just see what it's about. Uh, yeah, probably the, not. The um, point is that I have a fabulous <clears throat> photograph on my office wall at the opera company, and it shows the stratification of the opera audience. And there in the orchestra were the men in black tie, and the orchestra, of course, in the front. Then in the first <clears throat> two balconies were their wives and daughters in cotillion, and then above that were the people of color. And they were actively involved in the culture of opera. In fact, you could not get a job playing the piano in our celebrated Storyville unless you had performed at the opera because they mm. considered that quality music was learning classical art forms and things of that sort. So that has always been a part of the cultural fabric of New Orleans. You know, I, there's, I just have this crackpot theory that just popped into my, my mind here, and that it was, uh, above all other things, musically, for a long time. One reason is that an opera singer can sing something and can be heard over there. And if you're singing just something that you learned while you were uh, just doing some servile work or, or just hanging around right. doing nothing, you might be going. 
And uh, the other kind of things that drive my wife crazy when I walk around the house going, do, 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 do. And uh, if that's not going to go very far, but you put an opera singer on the stage and he will be heard. Well, in that case, their voice is trained to project. It's, un- it's uh, just an amazing thing to me. That's one of the, the things that I most look forward to when I go well, to the you, opera. You can imagine, since you've experienced it, the wall of sound that is created by 50, 60, 70-piece orchestra. And you have to sing through and over that. Yeah, So that's it's why a real the operatic challenge. voice is trained to project. Yeah. Well, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. I do a little bit of it myself, not very well, and I don't right. have the training, but the... Uh, but I can see, I'm more in awe of uh, opera singers than I ever have been just since I started doing both at the same time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you've got one that coming up right. that yeah. I think is going to be of special appeal to just about anybody. Right. Because it's funny. It's a little uh, madhouse almost. I right. mean, it's uh, really quite a thing. And, it, and it's Mozart. Yes. All that mixed in together. Uh, Tell me about it, starting with the name of it. Well, it's titled The Abduction from the Seraglio. A seraglio, of course, was the great harem in the pasha or the sultan's palace. Mm -hmm. And the original story that was set by Mozart, and this piece dates from 1782. And it is one of Mozart's... Are certainly in his own day, was his most frequently performed opera. If you look at the top five of Mozart, which is Abduction from the Seraglio, Cosi Fan Tutte, The Marriage of Figaro, Don Giovanni, and The Magic Flute. Those are the ones that are most frequently performed throughout the world. Um, you find that Abduction does not enjoy the same number of performances today as, let's say, a piece like The Magic Flute. But in, in Mozart's lifetime, because he died in 1791, it was the most frequently performed of his operas. And it is because of all of the things that you just enumerated. It is a Zingspiel, is the formal German word. <laughs> Zingspiel, what does that mean? Well, uh, uh, the German word Zingen is to sing, obviously, and Spiel means to speak. Oh, I see. So mm-hmm. it is the closest that the opera audience will come to seeing something that is like a Broadway play. Hmm. I, I don't mean in any way to lessen its entertainment value, but to heighten its entertainment value. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that certainly would do it. Well, yeah. it, it just has the immediacy of communication through spoken dialogue. Now, I even do what I call a mixed performance. The piece was written in German, and I'm a great respecter of the original languages of opera, and we do virtually all operas in the original language. But there's no point in asking an American non-German-speaking audience to sit there and just read opera titles every time the characters speak to them. We have the projected titles for the sung portion, and then they're suddenly launched into the immediacy of spoken theater. And also, it frees the whole piece to move at its own pace at that time. But anyway, about, about abduction, written in 1782, and uh, enjoyed great popularity. It um, um, deals with a fanciful uh, imagination of the Viennese excitement about matters of Turkey, matters of the Middle East. You know, that was very exotic culture to them. 
the ideas that there were sultans and a thousand and one Arabian nights and that kind of subject matter. And one of the other exotic treasures that we glean from Mozart's music is Janissary music. The Janissary. I know what they were. They were the soldiers who uh, worked on behalf of. of uh, Pasha Salem or the Sultan. <clears throat> yeah, and, and, and the Turkish uh, guards. Right. And what, what is interesting about their music is, and that Mozart captured rather colorfully, uh, they, they were conscript, conscripted soldiers who led the avant garde, as you know, the front forces that marched into battle. And they had percussion instruments. They had bass drums, and they had cymbals, and they had triangles, and they had various kinds of beaters. And it made a huge, clangorous sound. So when they were marching into the military field, they were playing these things, making as much noise as they could. And it had the effect, psychological effect of terrorizing the other soldiers. I mean, what is this huge, cacophonous sound coming at us? So... Anyway, Janissary music, as it is known, is something that Mozart notated, um, maybe less clangorous and a little more sophisticated, fixing, fitting it into his orchestration. But um, it's still a unique color in the music of Abduction from the Seraglio because he was writing, as I say, about the, the Western culture's interest with matters exotic, such as Mideastern culture. Mm. The plot itself is actually fairly simple. Um, the, there are two couples, uh, Belmonte, who was a Spanish nobleman, his fiancée, Constanza, Blanchen, who is technically Constanza's lady-in-waiting, and Padrillo, <laughs> who is the young man that is attached to her, who is kind of a manservant. Well, they were taking a trip, and Belmonte was not accompanying them, and pirates seized their ship and found these three Westerners there and decided that they would sell them to Pasha Salem, the potentate of Turkey. And so we find ourselves in the original setting in Istanbul at the site of the Great Harem. I'll tell you a little story about that in a minute. It's pretty amazing. I've been there. That's a, there, There's a name for it, and it's... Topkapi Palace. Yeah, they even made a movie of that title. Absolutely. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, we will return and uh, dig into this some more, the okay. scandals about to happen. Uh, it's the food show, but, you know, you can't just do food. Uh, you have to entertain the soul, too, and that's what we do in the, with the New Orleans Opera here, which we can be really proud of, even if you've never been to it before. It how, is, many, how many uh, uh, voices do you have? Well, we've got um, a medium-sized chorus mm-hmm. for this. This isn't a huge <clears throat> crowd scene like the one we just did, the Turandot. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, a reasonably sized, uh, about 50-piece symphony orchestra playing. It's not quite as brass-heavy, uh, but it's a rich sound. And then there are six principal artists that carry each of the principal characters so mm. so it's a it's a medium scale piece but uh, that's absolutely the perfect size for um, a show that has spoken dialogue mm. like this and it's not just sung constantly mm. well that's helpful yeah I mean it brings you back to life for those who have never done it before right yeah right yeah uh, when is it it is the Seventh and ninth of February, 
Friday and mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon. Okay, so that's the usual schedule. The, right. The, 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 the uh, formal, formal-ish, although there's no dress code or anything that I know of. No, there's not. You know, yeah. uh, there was a long tradition of attending yeah. opera Tuxedos and black tie. And, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. some people <clears throat> still like to do that. But universally, I think that, that kind of dress code has eased a bit. Mm-hmm. I get to go to the Metropolitan Opera a lot in the course of a year, and I see that there's even in a place of that august reputation – uh, much more casual look, approach. The mm. main thing that I would convey to any newcomer to opera is do not feel self-conscious if you say, well, I don't un- own a tux, and so therefore I shouldn't go to the opera. No, you should go to the opera and dress as comfortably as you please, and you will not feel out of place. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, it, it, there are a couple of things that will take you aback. One of them is uh, how long an opera can be sometimes. It's, it tends to be more than the average movie. And uh, that takes a little bit of getting used to as well. But if you know it going in, you you know it's then then you're ready. For right, it. and we yeah. have intermissions, unlike yeah. movies. And people will go out and have a glass of champagne or a glass of wine or soft drinks or whatever their pleasure is. Um, but remember, we're talking about an art form that was the principal public entertainment for many centuries in Europe. And so when you went to the opera house, you went for a full evening. There was most often a casino in the lobby, so people went and they played cards and they you know, rolled dice. Well, that's just like now then. Well, yeah. not not unlike right yeah. now. <laughs> and, and then you had your Subtle private distinction. Yeah, your private box, and you could have dinner in the box if you so mm-hmm. chose, or you could bring your dinner or whatever. But the um, those traditions were uh, very much established as a European style entertainment. They, as you mentioned earlier, there was no film, there was no television at that time. So you went to the theater to be engaged. And, and it works. And it does. And, and then you talk about it. You know, I, I have a number of friends who are really opera fanatics, and they tend to be, don't they? Yeah. Or is that just an illusion? They're passionate about the art. Yeah, they really say. are. But then, then uh, when you have two of these people talking about uh, a recent uh, performance— uh, it's, you know, it's a real debate sometimes. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> well, e- each with strongly, side with strongly held opinions, too. Oh, sure. Well, you, it wouldn't be any fun without strongly held opinions. That's right. Yeah. But, the uh, again, as a, as a welcome to operatic newcomers, you don't have to engage in splitting minute facts and minutiae about interpretation mm-hmm. to come and enjoy it. It's great music. You can hear just from the short excerpt how brilliantly scored Mozart's music is, how lively it is, and much of it is just exquisitely beautiful, and or it's brilliantly lively. So it, it can engage you on its own, and then you layer in all the theatrical language and all these theatrical situations. And so if it's well performed, I can assure you that you'll be emotionally engaged in the destiny of this Just, Just let it wash over you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it will. Yeah. And, uh, and you'll enjoy it more than you think you're going to. Well, and we have pre-performance preparatory discussions called nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. So you can come a half an hour early and sit, and there is a professional lecturer who will tell you what the story is, tell you what to look for, tell you some of the highlights – uh, some of the origins of the pieces and things of that nature. And uh, in case you don't speak German and Latin and uh, French and all those other languages you might need, 
In this case, how many did you say? Two languages? Well, it, it was originally in German. We will sing it in German, but we will speak mm. all of the dialogue in English. Ah, okay. But even were you not doing that, there would be the... The, the opera titles. The op- there, and and you, if, if you don't understand whatever language is being uh, spoken, you can just read it right off there, and so you're not going to miss anything. It's a little like attending a foreign film that is, we used to say, subtitled. And now, since these are usually projected above the stage, then we call them surtitled. So, Surtitled? Didn't he used to play? No, never (laughs) Good try, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not so sure. (laughs) And neither is anybody else listening to this right right now. So uh, it's Friday night. Right. And then again on Sunday Sunday afternoon. Sunday matinee, right. Yeah. Same opera. Same opera. Same, uh, same does it cast. does it get better or or worse as as the succeeding performances uh, oh, go along? If you had a if you had one to pick of let's say all the operas of the world, you have a choice between two performances: the first one and the last one. Well, the last one probably benefits by everyone having gone through all of the paces with an audience in attendance. Although we do student dresses too. So we have a little bit of a dry run with audiences, although they're much younger. Hmm. But um, I, I think any performer, whether regardless of the art form, whether you're a chamber music player, a symphony player, a dancer, a warbler, whatever, um, benefits by repeat performance. Hmm. Because you just simply work through all of the technical demands of the situation. And obviously the more you do that, the more you master them and the more expressive you can become. Although I can tell you, I've conducted opening nights that were decidedly more brilliant than the following matinee or subsequent mm. performances, simply because of the energy of the performers. Sometimes when that curtain goes up the first time, there's an electricity up there that's very hard to duplicate. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny Carson, to just bring in something from out of nowhere, he said that uh, as long as he was on television, which was 30 years... He would, uh, when he would part that curtain and walk out onto the stage to give a monologue, he said, you know, every day it just, uh-oh, can I, can I do this? Will I even get it off the ground? Right. And uh, I guess you have to feel that way, or well, else you wouldn't have any energy in the project. I think every professional performer has some, some degree of anxiety, although what the... The real issue is not letting it impede your performance, but in fact animate your performance. And so, you, have it done with animals. <laughs> <laughs> Another good try. I'm huh? sorry. I, we're being observed today, and and uh, part of this program, I'm not going to get you to ask anything or say anything, uh, and not, or identify you in any way. So you don't have to worry about that. But um, in doing this program. Uh, we have uh, lots of advice about food and wine and restaurants and cooking and recipes and all of that stuff. And uh, and yet, it's absolutely essential that it make people laugh every now and then. Uh, that's important. Indeed. Uh, so, uh, and I'm sure it's the same in just about every other every other medium. Sure. Yeah. Sure. This is the Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmorris. Our program today is sponsored by, let's see who is our sponsor. It's in here somewhere. Oh, um. Uh, we are sitting around here enjoying a visit uh, on the subject of the uh, the opera 
which we are always uh, happy to uh, to uh, be talking about around here because nobody else does it. Well, not not anybody I can think of anyway. And I'm so happy uh, that you stop in and uh, are part of the program uh, whenever you've got something worth talking about. Well, thank you. Yeah. The, well, uh, the, we're looking at the 4th, uh, th- uh, I'm sorry, the 7th through the 9th of February. That right. is not this weekend. But uh, next. Oh. The weekend after that. Right. And you get tickets online, right? NewOrleansOpera.com? You can. It? That's probably the easiest. Or go to our website and you find You can even the, pick out your seat. Find, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or you've got some staff there to help you in your seat selection, mm-hmm. make sure you're getting what you want and where you want it. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of easy access to get tickets to the performances. You can, even if you make up your mind at the last minute, come to the box office and choose the best available seating, if you wish. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, we we are serving everyone. We we like the breadth of our audience, and we want we want people to enjoy the power of great music and great theater. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's what it's all about. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Well, what can you tell us about the? Pl- we were halfway through the plot. I think we were anyway. I'll, I'll be I'll be brief, Tom. The uh, as I set the stage. You oh, know, by the way, if you saw me looking at the clock, the only reason I did that is because. In radio, you have to know what time it is. Indeed. And uh, so, but I, but it, it looks like I'm saying, when is this deadbeat going to finish up what he has to say and get out of here? <laughs> there you I, I, that's not. It's just the only clock I've got. So uh, that's that's, that's okay. I, 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 I am not offended. <clears throat> um, the um, as I say, in its original iteration, it was a case of these noble people being captured by pirates and sold to the pasha of of Istanbul, of of Turkey, and he put them in the harem, and he fell in love with uh, the Spanish noblewoman, Constanza, and he has been courting her and trying to persuade her to give her heart to him. He has given to his henchman, a, a, a big gruff guy who is a really comedic figure because of his extremes, uh, Blanchin, the little maiden, lady in waiting, he gave t- to him as a present. Well, <laughs> these are these are European women. They are not the servile women of Eastern cultures, and so they fight back. Particularly the lady in waiting, who's got a, a you know sharp fingernails and a fast tongue and handles this guy very readily. Whereas Mm. Pasha Salem is trying to be more noble, but he does finally proclaim that he wants a decision from her. In the meantime, the nobleman that was her fiancé has come to rescue them, and so he has to be slipped into the location in disguise, and he plots to to execute the abduction or the rescue from the Seraglio. So they go through all of their machinations and the uh, they fail in that they are caught by Pasha Salem's henchmen and brought before him. And at that point, the nobleman says, Pasha, my family is very wealthy, uh, the Lastados family, and we can pay whatever ransom you want. And he says, oh, you're father then is, and he says, yes, General Lestados. Oh, well, he destroyed my empire back in the day, (laughs) and now I find myself 
with his son pleading for mercy uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. before me. If, um, if your father was in this circumstance, what would he do? And he said he would probably have us killed. And Basha Salem says, yes, yes, I'll think about that. (laughs) And he goes away and comes back, and he says, I'm going to give you your freedom. In other words, I think that the world will be a better place if I visit the pain of these past activities and, and make the noble gesture to encourage you to be a better person, go tell your father that you were spared, and that will make my generosity meaningful to me. So it's a beautiful, noble ending to what is full of lots of comic situations and this kind of over-the-top plot. Now, let me place it in its context for our modern audience. We're not doing it in Istanbul, and we're not doing it in the stylized... Uh, presentation of two centuries ago. We've moved it into the modern era, reflecting the looks and the culture of film noir, and it's it's now in a modern nightclub, the Coconut Grove, which everyone that knows film noir realizes was a very popular place, um, done in that style, and the nightclub is now the Seraglio. So you've got a lot of topical and modern references that I think also make people more at home with it as theater because it is a language and a style that they are very familiar with. And it resonates equally well. As I say, you're just making more contemporary American jokes than (laughs) references to Muslims and references to religion and culture and those kinds of things. Well, you know, I I never thought about that before, not that that's the first for that even. Right. Uh, But uh, that's uh, kind of the way it goes in in most of the arts, but certainly I would think in in opera, over time, uh, everything changes. Right. It evolves into almost a different piece of work. Well, and that makes it a living art form. It, it is a living art form in, in the most literal sense of the word. Of many, mm. many new operas are written each year. And there is a great resurgence of the writing of American operas on American subjects. And in this case, it's taking a much older subject but has the universality of the appeal in, of Mozart's musical genius and makes it into a new piece by offering a little more refreshing exposure to how the theater of it can be presented. Hmm. Well, it works. It does. Yeah, and it, and it keeps it on going for future generations, but, you know, not that we care about them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just enjoy it ourselves. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah, that's, that's where I was coming from entirely. This is The Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmaurice. Uh, day after tomorrow that – actually, wait a minute. It's tomorrow. It's not – it's tomorrow that this is going to happen – we are going to the Roosevelt Hotel, and uh, over there we have been doing a series uh, for the last year. Well, it's going to wind up being uh, a year, and we do the program from the hotel, and then after that, probably have a drink or two. It's certainly possible over at the Roosevelt Hotel. Oh, the you Sazerac's know, right the there. Sazerac, and the Ramos Gin Fizz, too. Let's not forget <laughs> about that. Those are signature cocktails over there. But uh, we will be there and have a couple of those, and then we'll sit down and have dinner. And uh, the, uh, they are going to have live music. The last time we did one of these, about a month ago, 
uh, we had actually two different uh, musical organizations there, both of which are two or three jazz kind of things. Uh, Robert, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, I'm looking at you, and I'm getting uh, that. Uh, Ron Jones, uh, he is uh, uh, just a terrific musician, and he is, uh, he usually shows up over at the uh, Delmonico restaurant, but uh, he's been doing the Roosevelt lately, and uh, he's just terrific. I mean, it's worth going there uh, just for that. And uh, one of my favorite things about him is that he lets me do a couple of sing songs with him. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I'm just a ham like that. I can't help myself. That's right. uh, but the, uh, oh, that's going to be tomorrow. We're doing the dinner and everything. We're just going off the menu. Uh, we're, we're not doing a special menu at all. Uh, it just is too complicated for, the, for uh, the, the computers and everything. So that's tomorrow. If you want to go, uh, call the Roosevelt and tell them you want to you get a reservation at the... Uh, Fountain Lounge, which is their uh, classiest, nicest-looking, most comfortable restaurant that they have there. Despite the name, it's not a bar, although, of course, they do have a bar. Uh, and it's uh, a really a great evening's entertainment, the whole thing. Hope to see you there. I'll be there the whole time, moving from table to table and insulting everybody one by one. And uh, that will be tomorrow at the Roosevelt. And, and the deal here is the Roosevelt is celebrating 125 years of existence here in New Orleans, and they thought they would ally with us over here because the, our mother radio station, WWL, actually broadcast from the Roosevelt for many, many years, That's like about 30, 40 years. And uh, it got to, the, to a point where they, they had remained such a great network uh, radio station that CBS had for many, many years been doing these uh, from ballrooms around the country, uh, these these great jazz bands and big bands and all of that, and uh, it, it was uh, fantastic, but not many radio stations around the country were carrying that anymore, but WWL was, and they, they kept getting it to the point where a guy who has the cushiest job in broadcasting I've ever seen would come out of the woodwork and walk up to the microphone and say, this is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs> I would listen to it just to hear that. That's how I, I just did a perfect imitation of it for you. Jeffrey. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that, that's what's going on tomorrow. Hope to see you uh, at our, this is one of our Eat Club events, but the Eat Club, the club part, you know, we everybody's our friend. Everybody's welcome, of course. So hope to see you, and I hope uh, we, we get a chance to shoot the breeze and talk about stuff and find out. Uh, Tom, what can I ask you to do about this uh, all this opera stuff? <laughs> I'm going to tell them, listen and learn something, and, and then you'll enjoy something even more. They will find and that, that they love it over they will time. Fi- you really will, and there's no doubt about that. Right. Uh, what's on the rest of the schedule? Uh, are well, we uh, at the beginning or the end of a, of well, a season? Well, we're halfway through the season right now. Uh, we have these three spring productions. Mm-hmm. We have Mozart, uh, Abduction from the Seraglio. We have an unusual contemporary piece called The Blind, which is a setting of a French symbolist play, although it is done in English. It was translated by the composer, Lara Auerbach, who's emerging as one of the world's leading composers. Um, And we're doing that at the Marigny Opera House. It's a small-scale piece, and so we wanted the intimacy, but also the ability to do what's called immersive theater. 
So it'll be a modern setting of a modern piece. Immersive. What do you mean? Do they go walking around in the audience and uh, slap them around a little bit? Well, I ask them not to slap them around because <laughs> well, it, it's hope. too audible. Yeah, know? yeah. We, we hate when but, that happens. Uh, no, it's a very close interaction between the stage mm. and, and the audience so that the audience has moments where they're immersed in darkness because the sensation should be that you yourself are blind and, and ah. deal with the symbolism of Metalink's Somebody's play. trying to teach us something. Indeed. Well, that's all right. Well, um, and then we close with one of the most widely beloved operas in the entire world repertory, and that's uh, Verdi's Rigoletto. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a veritable hit parade of great arias and ensembles and a truly engaging story. In spite of its antiquity, it's set in Mantua, Italy in 1600, and it is the theatrical realization of the adage that absolute power corrupts and absolute Absolute. power corrupts absolutely. (laughs) And so, uh, but it it is truly a great, piece of theater and some of Verdi's greatest music. Mm, mm. Well, uh, it, it sounds good as it always does. Right. Is there, a, is there an organization of people who uh, who have a, an opera club? For, for, yes. In who, fact, there yeah? is a supper club, yeah. it, it, that, and they hold their events at the Women's Guild home on Britannia. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And yeah, that's a, gr- that's a great little place. I think they just had something over there. They did. Yeah. In yeah. fact, it was uh, Saturday night. I, I wanted to go, but I, I couldn't swing it. Well, ch- yeah. ch- check check the schedule, Tom. We'd love oh, for well, you to come. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Can... You're asking for the impossible. Well, <laughs> I, I know the feeling, but you um, you would be most welcome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have events of that nature. We have a, a large active women's guild that does things. Their upcoming major event is Mad Hatters, which is a fashion show by Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah, I saw something about that. Right, and yeah, they yeah. presented that for yeah. oh, the last 40 years or so. And then they always do a, an opera ball of some sort. So the, these are fundraising activities to support the New Orleans Opera Association. So mm-hmm. uh, they are hugely important contributors to the activities of opera in the city. Well, uh, well, they should be, and we all, all ought to be happy that that exists. Because uh, it makes it makes a, a big difference. I mean, it's one thing to have a good football team or right. a football team at all. But when you have that, too, right? Uh, you start playing with the big boys, and we do. I mean, that's the secret of the success of our city. I think so. I mean, it's it, we were speaking earlier about the variety and cultural richness of New Orleans and its history. And we have a wonderful symphony orchestra, the Louisiana Philharmonic. Oh, I, I, there, I have several friends who are in it, and I, it's just, right. it always blows my mind how, how these guys are such virtuosos. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm delighted yeah. that they play for all of the performances of the opera, mm. too, so I love conducting them, and they're, they're quite wonderful musicians. We have... Um, of wonderful ballet offerings of many different types in the city now. Uh, New Orleans Ballet Association brings in celebrated groups, uh, you know, the most famous contemporary dance groups and occasionally uh, large presentations of story ballet. We have uh, chamber music. We have uh, 
just a rich menu of professional music making here. Barbershop quartets. <laughs> I'm sure I, they're in abundance. But I know. I just think that music is such an important part of the makeup of this city in its history oh, and now absolutely. in its present. Uh. And uh, Jazz Fest is its own justification for bringing the world's great. Yeah. Uh, and it becomes a wonderful cultural tourist business for the city as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Well, that's why I ask you. You know, here I am going to... Uh, Ven, uh, to Venice, uh, right. yeah, Venice, and uh, and uh, I, I, my wife is is very up on this. Probably, well, as a matter of fact, no doubt about it. Definitely on top of it more than I am. But she says that's something we're going to do while we're there, and so that makes perfect sense. It's just the, the guys who who play violin out in front of St. Mark's Square. Right, that's worth sitting there for three or four hours drinking cafe au lait. That's right. You know. And uh, okay. well, I guess you wouldn't drink cafe au lait, but uh, well, ca- maybe cappuccino. maybe next time you're in yeah. Paris, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you uh, as always for coming on with us. It's always Thanks, great Tom. having you here, Robert Lyle. He is the artistic director of the New Orleans Opera, which is not to be taken lightly. <laughs> thank you very much, Tom. <clears throat> now, nor exceedingly hev- uh, heavily either. All right, it's The Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmorris. It's great to be here with you talking about food and restaurants and cooking and wine and all of that. The two things go well together. That's why we do this every now and then. Because uh, you go to the opera, and then you go out to dinner. Or you can do it the other way around. And uh, it works especially well on on, uh, the... Uh, the Sunday ones that, uh, on su- on Sunday where you can like do a Sunday brunch before and then and then go out somewhere afterwards. You have just enough space in there to That's make right. that happen. Right. Uh, NewOrleansOpera.com, I think, is the address. Dot yeah. org. Dot org. Okay. Uh, uh, opera New Orleans. Oh, wait, New Orleans. New Orleans Opera. Dot dot o r g. Right. And. Uh, and you can get tickets there, and you can find out all about it, the program coming up and everything yeah, else. Lots of information on that website. You know, I'm looking up at the clock here. We have about two minutes. Do uh, you have any uh, singers of such great promise that you are, have been thinking about them ever since uh, that are coming in? Any really big stars that we can get excited about? Well, the one most recently is, ironically, a native son, Brian Email. You know, Brian... Um, H-Y-M-E-L? Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he was born here, uh, went to Jesuit, went to Loyola, then ended up um, in lots of competitions and won, at, following his Met debut, won the Beverly Sills Award, which no is kidding. very prestigious, and gained him lots and lots of prestigious engagements throughout the world. I, I've known Brian since he was a high school student, consider him a great friend as well as a artistic colleague and love to present him when I can I mean he's singing at a level now and with such a full calendar it's always a pleasure to bring him back Greer Grimsley almost identical circumstances singing at the Metropolitan Opera singing at Vienna singing at La Scala uh, so I I have to try to find special ways to include our Celebrated <laughs> sons and daughters in yeah. the artistic calendar of the opera. Well, it makes sense. When I can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we bring in French artists and Italian artists and German artists. Mm. Well, once again, thank you for coming thank on. You, You're Tom. always welcome on our program. Thank you okay. so much. Yeah. It's such a pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure, too. Okay. Stay tuned. We have more of the food show coming up uh, after we stop for some news and a couple other things. 
It's uh, 105.3 FM HD2, Kenner, New Orleans, where the news is next over most of these same frequencies from CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.